0: Thomas Cromwell, caring chap or vicious brute? Thomas Cromwell was widowed young and never remarried. Not a very significant detail. But upon it, the novelist Hilary Mantell built the character of a lovely, heartbroken bloke, who is now far more famous than the historical figure. So was Thomas Cromwell a caring and sharing sort of chap, the vicious brute of yore, or someone quite different? I am the historian Leander Delisle, uncovering the Tudors and Stuarts behind the myths. It may seem that 1533 and Henry VIII's break with Rome was a long time ago, but we still have a state religion, Protestant, and our secular culture is a post-Protestant atheism-slash-agnosticism. Mantel, who once said the Catholic Church is not for respectable people, tapped into old prejudices, by using Cromwell's happy marriage as a shorthand for a good, healthy chap, as opposed to misogynist Catholics and their creepy, celibate clergy. Makes them pedophiles Done it? Unlike the fictional Cromwell, the real man wasn't the son of a drunk and a violent crook called Walter, but a respectable businessman, probably born in Ireland. Young Thomas, meanwhile, was a ruffian, clever and driven impressively self-educated and well-travelled. He was already 40 and a practised money-lender come lawyer and merchant when he began to work for Henry VIII's leading minister, Cardinal Wolsey. Cromwell's principal task was to dissolve smaller, failing monasteries to pay for the Cardinal's vanity projects, and it was his loyalty to Wolsey that saw his first run-in with Henry VIII's future queen, Anne Boleyn. Cromwell shared a desire for evangelical proto-Protestant religious reform but Anne blamed the cardinal for the king's failure to acquire a quick annulment of his marriage to Catherine of Aragon. When the cardinal fell there were rumours the loyal Cromwell was to be executed. He saved his career with a promise to break the power of the Pope in England and also to make a fortune for Henry by dissolving many more monasteries. Cromwell's years as the king's leading servant were those of a religious revolutionary who was as brutal as he felt necessary to get the job done. But the bulky, narrow-eyed crown official of Holbein's portrait was a convivial figure as well as a ruthless one. There were acts of personal kindness and occasional efforts to blunt Henry VIII's cruelty. Nevertheless, Cromwell's very particular association with the executions of women is striking. Each of these deaths, from an illiterate mystic to a queen to a gentlewoman rebel, stood out even in a brutal age for their unsparing humiliation of their victims. The first was that of the mystic Elizabeth Barton, who had prophesied that a marriage to Anne Boleyn without papal approval would end in disaster for Henry. It certainly ended in disaster for Elizabeth Barton, She was hanged and beheaded in 1534 along with five of her traditionalist clerical promoters and was the only woman in English history to have her head displayed on Tower Bridge. Was this a warning to other women, unhappy to see all female images now being swept out of churches as well as angry on behalf of an older abandoned wife, that is Catherine of Aragon? The following year, Cromwell became vicegerent, a title that made him effectively deputy pope to the king in England. It seemed odd to call a layman your grace as you would a bishop, and so for a brief period he was referred to by the title your goodness. In this role, Cromwell carefully insinuated his radical religious plans into the king's proceedings and covered his tracks, burning extreme Protestants as well as conservative Catholics. Where Mantell depicts the Catholic martyr Thomas More as the fanatical heretic hunter and wife-hater, the truth is that even bloody Mary Tudor would never match Cromwell's set piece of 25 Anabaptists burned as heretics on one day. Meanwhile, there had been no kissing and making up between Cromwell and Anne Boleyn. Indeed, it was Cromwell who took the initiative in Anne's fall. First, Cromwell told Henry of rumours at the French court that Anne was having affairs. When the king asked Cromwell to investigate, Cromwell then said he had discovered that Anne's many lovers included her own brother. She was beheaded in 1536 with a sword, a symbol of Camelot, with Henry casting himself as King Arthur to Anne's Guinevere. The third notable execution of a woman came in the aftermath of the Catholic rebellion known as the Pilgrimage of Grace. Cromwell was blamed for Henry's unpopular religious reforms and the rebellion, the greatest in England since the Peasants' Revolt of 1381, had nearly swept away the entire Tudor regime. When the rebellion failed and its leaders were punished, the most horrible death was reserved for a gentlewoman called Margaret Cheney. It is uncertain what her great crime was other than backing her husband but she was smeared as a mere mistress and burned at the stake in May 1537 leaving a three-month-old baby. With that other harlot Anne Boleyn no longer able to block his career Cromwell now rose to become a great aristocrat as Earl of Essex. He even nursed ambitions to join the royal family. The then-princess Mary Tudor was referred to as his Valentine. And what a fine pair they would have made. One wonders how the future Elizabeth I would have fared with them united. But it was Cromwell's son Gregory, who was married off in August 1537 to the sister of Henry's third queen, Jane Seymour. When Jane died that October, after delivering a baby prince, the hunt for a fourth wife for Henry began. The king needed a spare to his heir. The Archbishop of Canterbury, Thomas Cranmer, warned Cromwell that love was important in a marriage. But Cromwell was desperate for Henry to marry a foreigner because the English family of any English queen would threaten Seymour influence, and so that of his son. The wife he found for Henry came from reformist Germany. Unfortunately, Henry took an instant dislike to Anne of Cleves. The myth is that the bride was ugly, with a face pitted by smallpox. The bad skin is, in fact, an invention of the Victorian writer Agnes Strickland. Contemporaries observed a pleasant-looking woman in hideous German dress. Henry, who had so admired the French chic of Anne Boleyn, was aghast. Cromwell's enemies, led by the Duke of Norfolk, seize the initiative and accuse Cromwell of heresy and treason. Some see his downfall as the result of a class war, the key moment of his arrest being when the Duke of Norfolk rips the George from his Order of the Garter from his neck. The wicked toffs thus supposedly did for the Putney boy of humble birth. It was, however, the disastrous Cleve's marriage still more even than Cromwell's guidance of the New Church of England towards Swiss reform Protestantism, which Henry viewed as heretical, that led to his downfall. So, the supposedly grieving widower died because he had failed to grasp that a chap might want a wife to love as well as to give him children. Cromwell was executed on 28th July 1540 while Henry was busy marrying wife number five. Catherine Howard. The true character of Thomas Cromwell is both appalling and appealing. Think of the great modern anti heroes of American TV, the mobster Tony Soprano, or Vic Mackey of The Shield. Cromwell was much more than a brute, much less than a good man. The story that Cromwell's head was smashed to pieces by a clumsy executioner is a later invention. He had a clean end to a messy, extraordinary life. If you would like to know more of the true story behind Hilary Mantel's novels, you might enjoy my book Tudor, The Family Story, or you are welcome to contact me via my website, Facebook or Twitter.